you know, I'm so thankful this morning for you to be, you're here and uh, the relationship that God has joined us together. Some of us for a long time and some for not so long. And I'm, I'm grateful for those old people, I shouldn't say old people, the, the people that we've walked together for years and years and we've watched God develop us and teach us and show us things. I tell you, you can't put a price tag on that as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I do appreciate the fact that everything Yahweh had promised me and promises me comes to pass. It comes to pass. It didn't always come in my time frame, but I'm going to tell you, when the, when the, the you, we say you can't focus on the sacrifice, we have to sacri- uh, focus on the promise. And when the promise is fulfilled, there's fullness of joy, the Bible says. The Bible says that we ask and Yahweh hears our prayers and answers them, it makes us have joy. How many of you agree with that? The thing is, it takes time, just like everything else does. And I'm so glad as we've been able to watch that in our lives. You know, some fainted along the way. And, um, and, and so it, those things sad me. But I also am grateful for the, uh, that what Yahweh's adding to the church. Some wonderful, wonderful families that he's adding to us. And uh, I'm just so grateful for that. You know, uh, Lillian's probably going to get pack a pew Sunday. You're, you're probably going to win for this past year, Lil. And, uh, of course, uh, we're just so grateful for all you newer people. And I know that we, we say things that you, you may stumble at, you know, things you never heard before. But um, trust me, in time, you'll understand and you'll see and you'll, you'll agree with the rest of us about the wonderful things that Yahweh's doing. Also, I have a good friend here, Bob Riley from Pennsylvania. He's a, an attorney that we met a few years ago golfing. And every year he comes down and he visits with us and, and uh, has Sundays. He even comes on Wednesdays sometimes. And so he and his wife are, are down. And so it's always good to see Bob. I feel like he's a really good friend. And... and uh, I love anybody that loves me, and I think he does, and I love him too. So I bless him and his family today. So I'm, I'm going to get into this word uh, that's really, I believe, Yahweh is pressing us about. You know, I believe Yahshua could come and the judgment seat could take place and him set up his kingdom is nigh. And uh, i got to tell you, things are quicker then maybe, but take longer, it seems. When I was younger, things took forever. I remember it when, when the week of the fair, the Chattahoochee Valley Fair came, my dad didn't get off till 5 o'clock, and it took him forever to get home. We'd be sitting on the couch looking at the front door, you know, and time just drugged by. And then when he got there, guess what? We were ready to jump in the car and go. No, he took his time. He changed clothes. He did all that. It just took forever. Now i got to tell you something. I don't know where this year has gone already. Huh? I used to go from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month. Now it's definitely at least year to year. It's an annual thing. And that's good, but it's also bad. But it's good because I know I'm getting closer and, and have picked up momentum to receive my reward. It's sooner now than it's ever and closer than it's ever been for me. Amen? So I want to talk to us about something. You know, the gospel of the kingdom is something that uh, it's, not be, it's not really preached. And uh, people preach 
something that Yahshua never preached. Never, never in the scriptures did Yahshua say, follow me, believe in me, and you'll go to heaven. It just don't say it. He preached the kingdom of God, which was his kingdom, and he is the king of that kingdom. So he was kind of campaigning about this coming kingdom and recruiting people who he needs to rule and reign with him. So he's required, he's, he's, he has prepared a pathway to that destination, to rule and reign with Christ, to have immortality. That's why it's so important to know what the scriptures really teach. If not, the goal that you set might be the wrong goal. Your destination, the path that you take to get somewhere that God never promised, faith will not allow that because you can't have faith, real faith, that pleases God if you're believing something that he never said. Amen? Make sense? So this morning, I want to continue something. We're in a very, the, you know, this time of the year. I, it, does, does time change this week? This coming, this coming week, right? This Sunday. And so, not, not this week, but next week. Not this next Sunday, but the next Sunday. No, this next Sunday. Oh, God. You say yes and no to every question. I say. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. This Sunday, next Sunday. Not this Sunday, next Sunday. No, I'm like. So I want us, I want us to look at something this morning. You know, I, I'm, we're really trying to get out of the dynamic of, of you know, pastor congregation thing. Even though I'm probably always going to bring a word of the Lord to us at, at some level. We've been trying to do that with, you know, some of you people prophesying. I mean, what a wonderful, I thought, a boost and an empowerment for men in the house to begin to speak. You know, uh, Reggie, Reggie, can, he can talk. You know, he, he's a great orator, in my opinion. And so I, I, want, I say, I want, you get, I want you to open up, inspire us a little bit, you know. And so that other week... Uh, I asked Coach to give us an inspirational word. And those words that came together that month were just so powerful to me because I didn't think it was just something that we said. I received it and embraced it as a prophetic word from God speaking through people who really don't have an agenda to be a prophet. You know what I mean? Yea, I say unto thee, I'm a prophet of God. Hand me the microphone. You know, it's just people who are willing to contribute and allow God to use them I can tell you one thing about I, I have done in my life. I have been true to me. I don't try to imitate any other preacher. I don't try to act like this and say this or dress any way. I'm true to myself, not my sinful self, but who God created me to be. And I think that whatever the results are of me being who God's called me to be and doing it his way, that's success. A million or three. It's irrelevant. And God is always taking care of me, doing his will, and allowing him to be lived through my life. And I love that. I think there's a power of that. And sometimes we don't, I don't think we can appreciate the power of a presence that we have when we speak to other people. And I think a lot of it's been because we grew up in a way that church had to be, you know, in the King James Version kind of. You know, so I, I have, there's a cliche I had today. I was, when I was sharing with my wife, she said, don't use that. I said, yeah, but honey, she said, don't use that. So I'm, I'm going to try to do what she says, but if it slips out, I'm sorry, okay? Okay, so 
I was thinking, I said, people, people on the planet Earth just don't understand why there's problems. And so I told the guy uh, recently, I said, well, where do you think you were born? Where do you think you were born? We weren't born in heaven. We were born on a cursed earth. Well, I don't like you saying that. That's not positive. No, it's po I'm positive that's true. We think we've, we've landed in the Wizard of Oz. We think we've landed in some, uh, well, I used to think Disney, Disney to me is hell to me now. I don't know about the rest of y'all. I mean, they want like $300 a ticket. You can't get a Coke for less than like five bucks. Hell. And, I, and they, even though they took Mr. Toad's wild ride out, you know what that was. Mr. Toad went to hell, y'all remember? That's what the ride was. So where do we think we are? We wake up in the morning. What, what do we, where do we think we are? What, what do we think is our dilemma? What is our predicament as human beings? What is the mess that we've gotten ourselves into? Now, God told Adam this. I shared this when I preached about Balaam last week. And you really need to get that message to understand how God deals with people. Because if you think that God just loves everybody so much and Jesus loves everybody so much and he's just going to forgive them of everything and there's no consequences, you are going to be misled and disappointed about where you're living. This is Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. Listen, because you've heeded to the voice of your wife, I said because you've heeded to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, don't do it. Remember last week, what did God tell Balaam? Do not go. Do not go. But yet he wanted to negotiate and compromise and worm his way around to get what he wanted, but yet he still wanted God's blessing in his life. I told you, don't eat of it. So watch this. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and ye shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. That's a pretty big consequence of listening to your wife. I got, it got quiet in here. Or husband, or anybody else that would want to somehow manipulate you and coerce you and control you to not obey God, to listening to somebody instead of God. Most people, like I used to, I used to read that passage, and I thought God cursed the earth. That is not what it says. We blame God for the fallen state of the earth. We blame God for all the crap in the earth. But pay close attention when you read, because this is what the King James says. Cursed is the ground for your sake. You go to a translation like the New Living Translation, it phrases it like this. The ground is cursed because of you, Adam. You messed up the whole thing. Adam's sin was responsible for the curse. His sin and his rebellion released the curse. God didn't. This is what the Bible says in, the, in Proverbs 26, 2, Amplified Version. Like the sparrow in her wandering, like the swallow in her flying, so the curse without cause does not come and alight on the undeserving. It says 
that if there is a curse, number one, we have to live in a cursed world with things. Why? Because of Adam's, the consequences of Adam's sin. How many of you know the curses of that sin by listening to his wife, a voice that was contrary to obedience to God, it cursed everything in his world and ultimately all his posterity. We are still reeling from the curse that he put on the world. It's still happening. How many people still dying? Huh? People still sick? I mean, you know, you still have to work by the sweat of your brow. Still, you know, people say, well, I don't have to dig ditches. Yeah, but I'm talking about the, the pain and the suffering of worry and the torment of what having to provide can bring. The Bible says, look, curse don't come without a just cause. The same way Adam cursed his world, don't be confused. You can curse your world. I can curse my world. Hey, I want to give a shout out right quick. I've been meaning to do this for weeks. I want to shout out. To my boy Jeff Tolls, one of the most faithful givers in the history of this church, his tithes and offerings. I love you, boy. All right, back to the show. There's got to be a reason or a cause for a curse to happen. God just didn't say, okay, I'm a hate, I hate that. I'm going to curse y'all for doing this. No. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, we read that God blessed Adam and Eve. He blessed them. So this is something I want us to get into our, our core beliefs. I mean in our subconscious. This means this. Yahweh is the source of our blessing. Can y'all say that with me? Yahweh is the source of our blessing. Say it again. Yahweh is the source, make it personal, of my blessing. Where does blessing come from? Yahweh. All perfect gifts. All good things are from Yahweh. Adam disobeyed. Adam rebelled. His sin brought death. And what is death? It's a separate, spiritual death is a separation from God. So if Yahweh is the source of the blessing and Adam separated himself from Yahweh, then guess what? Now Adam is separated from blessing. Is that logical? Sin separate Adam from... Yahweh is the source of blessing. Sin separated Adam from Yahweh. Yahweh is the source of blessing. Therefore, Adam is separated from the source of blessing. And in the absence of blessing is where you find the curse. You realize that Yahweh provided a path and a means to be saved and prevent you from experiencing the, the effects of the curse. He said, all right, now the curse of everybody died because of what Adam did. Adam listened to his wife. He disobeyed God. He should have listened to God. He didn't. The curse came. And guess what? There was a consequence to his sin. I want you to know something. A lot of us are suffering today because the, the, the result and the consequence of sin in our lives. You can inherit sin because somebody in your past sinned and it can be passed down, the consequences can be passed down to your children. It can be a poverty mindset. It can be racist mindset. It can just be unforgiveness and those kind of things. So Adam severed his ties to the blessing. And when he did, everything on the earth and everything in the earth, the Bible says, you screwed it up. You messed up the whole thing. You made what the Bible wanted to be and called paradise into something 
that was brought sin and death and shame and hurt and pain and suffering and sickness and disease and broken relationships. And I'm going to tell you, that cursed world has not been redeemed yet. But it's promised to. And there's nobody that's born that isn't born into a, a sinful, cursed world that will always affect them in some way, shape, or form. If nothing else, death, you will surely die. All of us, Adam's children, suffer from the sin of the consequences of what he chose to do. Thank God Yahweh in his grace and mercy has shown us the way out of this. And through Yahweh, Yahshua's, listen, you know I've been on willful sin. Willful sin. Listen to what got you, what's going to get us out of that results of willful sin, of the curse. Through Yahshua's willful death, he willfully died. He opened up the only way of escape from the power of death from, for the condemned human race of which he was a member. He made the way of escape. He showed us the way out, not only for himself, but for all of us. You should be thankful for that. Here we got the flood, Noah's Ark. God said, look, because of your sin and you intermingling with the world, intermarrying, I know the Catholics, everybody say that they, angels came down and had sex. The Bible says angels can't have sex, so how can I believe that angels came down and had sex if the Bible says they can't have sex? Because they can say anything they wanted to. When the sons of God married the daughters of men, what means this? When the Ecclesians got out there and started intermarrying with worldliness, guess what? Boom. God said, I ain't having it. I want a pure seed. We're going to do it. And so guess what he did? He said, I'm going to drown all of y'all. I'm, I'm sorry that I even did this. So a, a curse again, a judgment came upon humanity again because their sin will always bring a consequence. And guess what that consequence did? It affected everybody. But said, you know what God said? But... I'm on, I have a plan to help you who don't want to serve yourself and who want to serve me. I got a plan to get you out. So what did God do? He called Noah, right? What did he tell Noah to do? What did he tell Noah to do? Build an ark. And, it, and Noah preached and preached and preached and preached and preached. You know what would have been nice if Noah had to enlarge the size of the ark? Wouldn't that have been nice? Hey, man, I don't want to drown. You got, a, you got a way out of here? Yeah, you're going to have to get on the ark, though. You can't stay out. If you stay with the world, you're going to suffer the consequences of the world. Come on. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if we had to add to this church? I mean, I had so much faith and vision when I started this church. That, that's when everybody, that's when, before I preach this, kind of. But wouldn't it be, well, wouldn't it be something if people could see their way? And we, like Noah, it wouldn't have been great if Noah could have had to build ten arks or a thousand arks because of people repenting. And God was telling Adam that the ground was cursed. He was simply explaining the catastrophic results of Adam's decision to commit high treasons. High treason. And our decisions have ramifications. People don't believe it. Adam's choice opened the door wide to the curse, and it continues in the earth today. But we can choose blessing or cursing. Deuteronomy, listen to this. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Now choose life. 
so that you and your children may live. I love the fact that he gave us a hint or the answer to the problem. I set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. And he said like this, choose life. Choose life. What? Choose life. What did he say? What? Choose life, idiot. <laughs> he gave us the, the answer. Choose life. Look, choose life. When we repent, we're rejecting that curse, and we're rejoined to the source of the blessing. Do you hear me? But you got to believe it. So even though we live in a fallen world, we can walk in the blessing of God. And one day, when time comes to an end, the earth is going to be fully renovated by fire, as by fire, it says, and the effects of the curse will be forever erased, but not until then. We can be in the world, but we can't be of it, or we partake of the curse. Praise God, man. Praise Yahweh. Thank you. So, okay, so, all right. So then why is our life so troubled? I said before, I've never seen people that with so much stuff and that, that are so miserable. Have everything, but is it, you know, people that get there and get it, they, they'll tell you right now, you know, it, it, it's just not fulfilling. Why do I hear people who feel like serving God don't work? Okay. So this morning, I want us to look at our own house of bondage. And this is like the children of Israel being in bondage in Egypt. And I want us to come to a place that we can be honest with ourselves and with God about everything in our life. Our time, our money, our thoughts, our actions, our choices, and the way that we live. We can acknowledge what is enslaving us. And then we make a decision to choose the path that will liberate us. Because it is available. I know people, well, that's just the way it is. I guess it's going to be that way. God just don't answer prayer no more. I'm just going to have to walk this out. That's bull. You know what that is? That's a lazy person right there. That's a lazy person that's going to co confess that kind of thing. Because I can tell you otherwise. God does answer prayer to those who have faith. And faith ain't just believing in God. It's believing God. Sometimes the misery of what we know is just more comfortable than the freedom that's unknown. you got to go out and get it. For, because without faith, you can't please God. For me, we must believe that he is, watch this, and he's a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. You know, if, if my wife puts more effort in something than she does me, i got a problem with that. You know what I'm saying? I got a problem with her caring more about and things better. I, I should be more important to my wife than her children are, and vice versa. And you are. I wrote on Facebook this morning. It's ironic to me about the people who named their church Family Worship This and Family Worship Center. It's ironic because that's what we've become. We love our children more than we love our spouses, our God. And trying to live vicariously through their life, what we're doing, we're screwing them up. Sometimes we have to believe that Yahweh exists. And people who don't put him first don't really believe he exists. People that, are, that can't tithe, they don't believe God really exists. People that don't, don't 
obey him. They don't really believe. We also have to believe that our only salvation from the destroyer of sin is our specific obedience to what God said. Okay, this is how we're going to get out of here. You got to do it this way. You can't do it that way. You can't go that way. You got to go this way. And I'm going to give you somebody, a special tour guide to, to, to lead you out of here. Say, thank God for that. Is that the Holy Spirit? You ain't got no Holy Spirit living like you're living. You're kidding yourself. We also have to believe that the fact, Psalm 106, that when we spend all of our time in prayer and faith and all that, and our, the reason we give is for, for materialistic things, I'm going to tell you what God will do. He will give it to you if you're not careful. At, but this is the consequence, leanness of soul. Oh, you want it? Okay, go ahead. But you're going to get leanness of soul. That's Psalm 106. This sad verse disturbs me, but it's talking about a tragic event that happened in Israel, and it provides a sober reminder that we need to not be so daggone selfish in our prayers. All our prayers is give me, give me, provide, provide more, more, more. I remember the songs we've sang before. More, we want more, more, God, more of you, more, more, more. You need to quit saying, I'll give you more of me, God, instead of asking more of him. That's how our worship should be. When Yeshua told his disciples how they should pray, this is what he said. Give us this day our daily bread. But as I read it all real close and I was looking for other things, that was the only material item that was mentioned in the Lord's Prayer. But churches all over America... Their whole church is about receiving and getting material things. Hello? And I'm afraid that that is something that's intrinsic in the lives and hearts and minds of Americans, no matter of what, what style. It's all about materialism at some level. Yahweh had indeed wonderfully provided daily bread for the children of Israel there in the wilderness. Every day for 40 years, it was right on time. Daily bread, daily bread, daily bread. Yahweh did it. It was marvelous. Bible calls it in John, bread from heaven. I'd like to have some of that with some butter on it, some of that honey butter. Where are we going to lunch today? But guess what? Nope. Numbers 11.4, they demanded that someone, someone provide meat for them. We want meat. We want meat. God, I pray right now in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, we give us some meat, Lord. Oh, we want meat. Oh, Lord, we want meat. Please, I pray. Pray for me. Give me meat. Okay. I want you to have bread, but you want meat? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring a strong wind, and it's going to blow a literal rain of quail upon their, your camp. But guess what? And they ate up to their ears in meat. But I got to tell you something. There's a consequence of not doing it my way. You're, now you're going to get leanness of soul. Okay, you're fat now. Look, are you happy now? They gorge themselves on meat. Whenever we gorge ourselves on materialistic things and things that God doesn't want for us, and we just get it anyhow, and he don't stop you, even though he may have tried Two or three or four times, but you're hell-bent to do it anything, guess what? It's going to cause a great plague, and something's going to die. 
That's the result of disobeying God's path. You remember the story about the guy, flood came and he was on his front porch and four-wheel drive came and the guy on the four-wheel drive truck said, hey, get in, the flood's coming. No, I'm praying God's going to deliver me. Y'all remember that one? Then it got real deeper and the guy on the boat came by and said, hey, man, get in, get in. He said, no, I'm praying, I'm believing God's going to save me from this. He said, okay. It's all the way, he's on the roof of his house. The water's all the way up to the top. A guy in a helicopter comes by. Hey, man, let me save you. Hey, get, here's a rope. Catch on. No, I'm, I'm believing God's going to deliver me. Well, he died, and he got before God, and he said, hey, I thought you was going to deliver. He said, well, daggum, I sent you a pickup truck, a boat, and a helicopter. And I'm going to tell you what God does when you're in disobedience. The angel of the Lord comes there and there, and he'll cause something to happen to block your way. I don't know why this ain't happening, because God don't want you to have it. Oh, no, I'm going to have it. Yeah, I know. So he says that. He, pu he puts that donkey in your path. Oh, you're going to keep sinning? You're going to keep doing that? Okay, I'm trying to save you. Here. Now, here's another circumstance and a consequence. When are you going to learn that you're inflicting yourself by your disobedience and God's trying to stop you? And sometimes he does it in ways that we wish he hadn't. Does he specifically do it? No. But we get out from under place to where these curse is on us again, and we're not being saved because the blessing isn't blocking it. Hello? I had to learn this, and that is I had to learn how to be careful about how I spent my faith. Because when you have spent all your faith on believing God for a new car and a new house and a money and that and this and all this, that, and all, guess what? When the real crisis comes, you ain't got faith. You've used it all. Getting stuff that God don't think you need anyhow, probably. If he does, how many of you know he'll bless you with it? With the sweat off your brow. Y'all, we might just let us have it, but it's going to bring death in some shape or form. Listen to what the word leanness. It refers to being physically emaciated. But spiritual leanness was way worse than that. You know, the Bible says it's God who may or may not be pleased to bless us with material prosperity. But this should never be the theme of our prayers. Tell you what, I'm going to have prosperity. I tell you what, I'm going to tell they taught us, you got to work hard, you got to do that. you got to sacrifice everything you get out there work so you can be blessed and have all this stuff that you think you need and want. That's how I was trained. Go work hard. Go out there and get it, Johnny. I'm not talking about being faithful and, and doing a good jo uh, labor, uh, job, a day's work. You know what I'm talking about? But I'm talking about, man, we got to get it going, got to get this way. And, and the fact is, they're, they're a slave to the job because now they're indebted. And people don't have money to do what they really should be wanting to do with it because they got it all tied up in all this stuff. When God has given us a certain allotment and we got to learn how to manage it. And if he hadn't given you enough for the, a billion-dollar house, then just don't get one yet. Do what God wants you to do first. And he will give you Wonderful things. Can anybody testify with me about that? Can somebody say, that's right, Johnny. He's telling the truth. Tell them. Some people, the Bible says, he said, I've been around. The, the, the race ain't given to the fastest or the strongest. You can be fastest one in the world. And a turtle beat you. You got all this stuff. And look, these other people who have done it God's way are just happy and blessed and rejoicing. This is what Paul said. I was at lunch recently with someone, and this is a, a scripture that I, I told them about. It says, he says, 
uh, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. You know what he said? Stay away from those kind of people. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing in the world, and it's certain we ain't taking nothing out. And having, listen to this, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. And this is what I said. God don't give me that. God ain't provided me to have that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I said, stop. Do you know where you were born? In a cursed world. And the extent of what God says we should be content with. And that is food and raiment. That's what the Bible says. And I want to tell you, that is a spit in the face of America capitalism. I'm not against capitalism. I'm not saying that. But as believers, when we allow corporations to cause us to be their little robot consumers, because we got to act a certain way, have that, and when we're not, we can't be happy. You always say, look, just be content that you've got food and clothes. And then we'll go from there. Why? This is the Bible. They that will be rich, not rich, but want to be. You can be rich. Listen to me. You can be rich. You can be rich. But most people just want to be. How many of you know that rich people still want to be richer? He said, but they that were rich, what are they going to happen? You're going to fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. I said, dude, let me tell you, this is why you have a problem. You have been snared. You've fallen into temptation you want money, got to have more money and do money, money, and too many foolish and hurtful lusts, and you're drowning in destruction and sin because the love of that money is the root of all evil, which some, while coveted after, they have erred from the faith. I don't care what your bank account looks like. When you covet after riches and want to be rich and want all that, you will err from the faith. And that's why the stuff is happening in your life right now, sir. It's just that plain. You've cursed your world. And listen to what else it says. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. My God, we should be happy all the blessings we have. But man, we are mis people. Mis I'm using generalities. It's because we're trying to be like something that God never called you to be because what you're trying to be like is a facade and it's fantasy land. But thou, old man of God, Flee those things. And here's the path. You follow the angel of the Lord, and the path is this. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life wherein art thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And the church at Laodicea, is the type and shadow of this dispensation, of course, and modern Christendom. The church could boast back then, I am rich and increased with goods and I have need of nothing. Do you know that's the goal of, of most people in most churches in, in America? And I see these guys, listen, I don't care what, how many jets you got, I don't care how many cars you got, I don't care if people give it to your money or not. That's their business. But I'll, this is what I'm going to say. But I want to tell you this, it shows something about who they are. You need a $30 million house, you got a little, you got a Napoleon syndrome, you got a little insecure syndrome, you got to have something like that. 
You mean you got to have something that's so huge and so big? You know, that's, that's one of the enemies that the path that I'm on will deal with as we pass through their town. Because I'm going to tell you in a minute, the angel of the Lord is leading us through some places. And there's some places we got to go through. If we're going to pass the test, we got to pass through and go through these things. Yahshua said this. They were unaware that she was lean of soul, wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. We should pray for our daily bread. I pray for it every day. I want my part. That's all I want. I want all that I'm supposed to have. And he said he would give me more besides to do every good charitable work. And what it does, it takes me from the pressure of competition. I said it takes me out of the pressure of competition. Comparison. You will never win a game of comparison. Because there's always going to be somebody taller than you, prettier than you, more rich than you, got nicer things. That you're not going to win. The burden of our prayer should be this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as, on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10. That should be what we should be praying to. And not only that, here's one. And lead us not from temptation. And deliver us from evil. There's the angel of the Lord. We're down the path. We're praying. Look, get in my way. Get in my face. Stop me. Let the righteous smite me. Don't let me keep going that my consequences get worse and worse and worse before it's too late. I see it happen all the time. Lukewarm always turns cold. Hot water will turn cold. Lead us not to temptation. That's what that means. Don't dabble in sin so God would, won't have to give you your fill of it. If you want to sin, he will give you your fill of it. Guys, you want to get into adultery? Guess what? You better be careful because it might jump on your wife and she might want to start getting into adultery too. Listen to me. Because what your sin does, gentlemen, it affects and has a consequence on your family. I take full responsibility. My kids are grown now. they got to do what they want to do. But I want to tell you something. I take responsibility of what I did while they were home. What do you do now, Johnny? What if it's too late? Well, you need to change that and be the man of God in your house and command your family and, and set it in order. It ain't too late for that. Even though it may be too late for consequences of the sins from the past. So what are things are in our way on this path? You know, Balaam, the very name Balaam, I taught you last week, means devour or destroyer of the people. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says when you tithe, that God will do what? He will rebuke who? Say it. He rebukes the devourer and opens up the windows of heaven. <laughs> Balaam was the devourer. <laughs> you hear me? Balaam. You know, can I tell you something? The angel of the Lord ain't trying to stop no devil. <laughs> oh, the devourer's coming. You are your devourer. You are your own devourer. I rebuke the devourer. Be careful. You're rebuking yourself. I cast him down, I rend him powerless. Watch out. I cast him into the lakes of hell. Be careful. You are he. This is what an old man taught me years ago. This is what my wife told me not to say. He said, boy. Let me see. I'll put it, say it this way. Boy, 
Don't dump in your own backyard. Don't do it. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Don't do it. And I'm going to tell you, I know people who started off ecclesia and all that, and guess what? All they're doing is dumping in their own backyard. You ain't hurting nobody but you and everybody you love when you disobey God. And it ain't his fault. He showed you. I'll get you out of this mess, but come on. Here's the way. Here's the path. And I'll give you a personal guide to get you out of there. You don't have to go by yourself because there's a bunch of other people on that same path. I'm one of them. What did he say in the Lord's Prayer? Deliver us from that. Lead us not into temptation. Why would he lead us into temptation? Because he's going to give you the feel of what you so got to have. And hopefully you'll get so sin sick that you won't, it, won't want it anymore. Have you ever done things that you would love? You would have such a good time and all of a sudden you got uncovered and caught and all of a sudden it wasn't so much fun anymore? You ever done that? Huh? Oh, yeah. I've done some things. I robbed a gas station one time with some of my buddies and I was just, <laughs> and then two or five police cars pulled up my yard. All of a sudden, <laughs> daddy, mama. My mama said, son, I'll come see you every day in jail. It wasn't so funny then, y'all. I mean, it wasn't fun then. It wasn't so funny. When you get caught like that and you get your feel of it, all of a sudden, you ain't Mr. Tough Boy no more. I, I don't even want to do that anymore. So what is the evil? What does that mean? What, what is the evil we need to get delivered from? That's why it's so harmful. And detrimental for us to preach a Satan and a devil that's going to lead us and it's the devil we fight. No, because he ain't the problem. He don't exist. If you think he did, Hebrews 2.14 says, Yahshua destroyed him to have the power of death. That is the devil. And you can slow that down, I think. But I'll tell you what, because you are the devourer. I'm the only devourer. When I tithe, guess what it does? It rebukes the devourer. How? Because it makes me one thing say, I ain't trusting just in my money. I'm not greedy, I'm not afraid, I have faith. And that 10% begins a way for you to show yourself even. I'm going to trust God. Path of unrighteousness, willful sin, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the road to evil is the path of unrighteousness. It's a road to destruction. Listen to me, y'all. It's a path to problems, even though it don't look that way in the start. Because it feels so good, and I like it, and I'm free, and I'm, oh, look what I'm doing and all this. It don't look that way to start with. But just wait until you get just a little farther down the road. I'll tell you a story. I mentioned it last month sometime, I think. The result, I have, a, I have heavy emotions, sad emotions about the story and the path these people chose. Very close to them, loved them. Y'all knew them. They seemed to love God. I think they did. But they're like Balaam. They wanted the best of both worlds probably. And so the wife had an alcohol problem. She came to church. You know, she would, she would minister at the church. And one of the areas of ministry and, and you know, because the way alcoholics, alcoholism does it, it isolates you eventually. And, and so she would do her thing and then just leave and never talk to any of us and just go. And I was long-suffering with her and patient with her and, you know, helped her if she was going through something or whatever. And uh, so the day came that her husband came to me and he said, I resign, I quit. 
I said, why? He said, well, I can't find my wife. She's gone off, and I know what she's going to do. She's going to, to go off on a drunk, a drunk binge. I said, really? I mean, I didn't realize it was that bad. Even though one time I was at their house, and she came out the back door screaming and yelling and cussing, and I had to ignorantly act like I didn't hear it to not totally embarrass the guy. So he, I said, well, how is she there? How, how, what is she, how is she paying for it? He said, uh, credit card. I said, well, I can tell you exactly where to find out how to get her to come out. Call and freeze the card. It wasn't 10 minutes. Ultimate came home. Ultimately, I went to their home and I wanted to help their marriage and I wanted to help this problem because I know what alcohol can do to people if they're not careful. And it was not received. This lady really showed me a side of her. It scared me a little bit. Never repented. Could have made a choice to go down this path. You know? Well, that sin jumped right down to her son, who died a tragic death recently, and y'all know who I'm talking about. I don't want to say their names. Tragic. I talked to a guy the other day. I said, man, what happened? And he told me that what they think the core thing was and it was what was handed down from a sin that people think is okay to do. And God's just going to bless them anyhow, and he don't care. Willful sin will absolutely damn your children. Willful sin makes Yahweh angry. And somehow we don't understand why our lives are in such upheaval. Well, he's going to punish me? No, you, you're separating from him. You're away from the blessing now. While living in willful disobedience, these people still want and expect the approval of Yahweh. And I can't get up here and just give you that. That's a, they'll do it over that church. Let me do it over that church. I can't do that. Because I wouldn't be true to me, and I wouldn't be true to my God. I met some people who feel the same way. They live for themselves. The things of this world are all they want. They live to build their bank accounts and their possessions and their comforts, and they give no first place to God in their lives whatsoever, and yet they think that God ought to let them have a well done because they might give a little money every once in a while. All sin you willfully commit has consequences, and after you do it, you can't stop the consequences. That's what we think. I asked Jesus, forgive me. Yeah, but your wife is still damaged because of your unfaithfulness. Well, she's forgiven me too. Oh, really? If she did, she did it probably from a willful act that she has to just say, yes, I'm going to do that and let her emotions catch up later. And sometimes it never will catch up. Just damages people. If you murder somebody and you're convicted of that murder and you go to prison and you go to and get saved in jail, and you're going to serve God. Guess what? You're not going to be able to go to the war and say, I asked Jesus to forgive me for murdering those people. Do I get to get out of jail now? No. Because the consequences of sin remain. And a lot of us are living with that. When I was young, I used to preach about it. And I used the illustration. I said, you get a big nail and you hammer it into a telephone pole, that hammer of sin. And then you get saved and you can remove it, but guess what? It still has marred and damaged that telephone pole. And nobody's willing to tell nobody this. He forgives you of everything. Yeah, but your kid is still screwed up. Now what you can do is help redeem that. 
Yeah, but what about I did that? And, and you know what? And a lot of guys that I hear, they, they're proud of that, their sins. You know what I did when I backed down? I did what I did. I did this and I did that. Yeah, I guess what? Now I understand why you're like you are. Because you're reaping what you've sown. You better get your fanny under the blessing. You're on the wrong path, sir. Now, all angels are angels of God. You know that. The Bible says only one spirit. You know, there's one special angel who's distinct. He's called the angel of the Lord. I've taught you about him. The Bible talks about in the Old Testament and New Testament, angel of the Lord, angel of the presence, angel or messenger of the covenant. He appears in so many important contexts in Scripture. And the manner in which he's described sets him apart from all the other angels. He's called the angel of the Lord. He's a mighty angel. And what he is, he's the similitude and a representative of Yahweh himself. When Hagar, who was Abraham's mistress, the mother of his illegitimate bastard son, Ishmael, the first recorded appearance of that angel was to Hagar. And this is what he said to her. I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude. Yeah, and guess what? They've been a pain in the butt of the Israelites and the Jews for, since that time. Ishmael is the father of the Muslim religion, basically. Y'all hear me? Thanks a lot, Abraham. Yeah, but that was the father of faith. Yeah, but he's still, the consequences of what he did has affected the whole world. It's the main source for most wars, actually. And Abraham and Sarah... Three men appeared to Abraham and his wife in the plains of Mamre. They'd come to inform Abraham and Sarah about two matters. The son of God had promised, the son that God had promised them would be born to Abraham and Sarah the next year, and the other promise is all evil cities of Sodom and Gomorrah would be destroyed. And one of these strangers was called the Lord. Then on Mount Moriah, it was the angel of the Lord who stopped Abraham. Listen, what did he do? He stopped him, what? From blessing. Because Abraham was going to obey God at his own hurt. And he said, don't lay your hand on that boy and do anything to him, for I know now that you fear God. You know a lot of things that look to your life that's a problem is God seeing if you're really going to trust him or not, or that you fear him, or are you going to get afraid and keep it for yourself and not have faith. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And he called him the second time from heaven, the Bible says, to Abraham, angel of the Lord. I'm just giving you some angel of the Lord stuff. And then Jacob had a dream. The angel of the Lord came, and he said, here I am. And remember, Jacob wrestled this dude. He wrestled him. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Hallelujah. You know what? When he stops in, gets in the path, when you go down the wrong way, there's a fight fixing to happen. And that angel will fight you, and then you'll be able to see not your face, God's face, his way, his plan, and you'll get turned around from facing this way to start facing again God's way. He spoke to an angel at the end of his life. The angel who has delivered me, he's, listen to this. This is how Jacob describes this angel. The angel who has delivered me from all harm. May he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly upon the earth. I got to tell you, I'm probably still suffering from sin that I've done in my past. 
I'm sl- some of it I'm getting over, so whatever, but I want to tell you this. What I did do is I obeyed my God to where I can now say to my children and hopefully spiritual children that you're going to be called by the name Yahshua, Yahweh, and that you will increase greatly and you won't have all the crap in your life that those of us who lived in willful sin even before we came to God and the things that we suffer. Can I ask you a question? Don't raise your hand. Are you suffering from things? Could be physical. Old preachers told us, and they told Pentecost preachers, they don't smoke them cigarettes. He said, don't smoke them. Well, we thought they were just being hard. No. God was trying to tell us, look, you're going to get COPD. You're going to get lung cancer. You're going to get emphysema. And a lot of people who quit smoking still have emphysema. Moses at the burning bush, the angel of the Lord appeared. Martyr Stephen said it in Acts chapter 7. God promised to send his angel ahead of the children of Israel. This is what he said to them, and this is what he said to us. Are you ready? Are you listening to me? He said, I'm going to send an angel in front of you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. That's a great deal. What? I'm going to send an angel ahead of you. Listen to this angel because I think people don't, haven't quite totally grasped magnitude of this being you know we we've taught first fruit offerings and stuff and we some people think it's just a time of investment you know it's a time well we're going to bump the church income trust me i do not think that and do this for that reason god would slaughter me if i did because that would be manipulation but a lot of people think well i'm gonna give this and i'll do this then i'm gonna get all this good stuff okay yeah i agree it says but be attentive to him And listen to his voice. Do not rebel against him. Now watch this, y'all. For he will not pardon your transgression. A lot of people leave that one out. Why? Because my name's in him. The reason that I can't compromise this gospel because his name is in me and should be in you. That's why you can't compromise a willful sin and live and, and being around worldliness and stuff and wanting to be like that because his name's in you. I, I, I don't want to. I think it was a baby and I talked maybe yesterday. I said, you know, the reason that I'm faithful to you, honey, is because I don't want to bring reproach on you. But even more so, the reason I don't have a willful sin and do things like that is because I don't want to bring a reproach on the name of Yahweh because whatever I do, Everybody's going to blame it on, yeah, he, well, he believed Yahweh. He believed wrong. He said Yahweh, Yahshua. He said there's only one. Well, you don't believe in heaven, hell. They, anyone, if I fail morally, I know the first thing the accusation is going to be about me. God forbid that I have NyQuil one night and get pulled over. If I got a cold, I, my butt's staying in the bed. I suffer. I got a cold. If I get on mug shots, you know. Y'all know what's going to happen. He, I knew he'd go up there, that church, about Yahweh and Jesus. and talk, back, 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 back. I know it. I ain't giving them that. I ain't bringing reproach on my Lord. My God, my God has given me the power to overcome sin. Thank you. I say that, including you, too. He said, I'm, he ain't going to pardon your transgression. Willful sin, there is no sacrifice. For him that sinned willfully after coming to the knowledge of truth, there remains no more sacrifice. He can't pardon you. He can't pardon you from it. But you've got to just quit doing it. 
Y'all hear me? You just quit doing it. But what, he's, what you've done, guess what? There may, you, that, you may still reap the, the effects of that forever. You have, you know, your relationships, man. People make mistakes in relationships, and they pay for it maybe forever. The child may not ever forgive you for it. You may not have a relationship like that with them. You may not, your wife or whatever it may be, your family, your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors. But if you listen attentively to his voice and do all that I say, then guess what? Then I'm going to be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. When my angel goes in front of you and brings you the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I blot them out. I'm going to jump on this because I, I'm, I'm blowing through it quick, but I want to get this part. This angel in verse 21 said, I'm going to send you an angel before thee. Let me tell you, activate that angel. It's through first fruit. I'm not talking about first fruit, tithes and offerings. Because if you don't have tithes and offerings, the angel's going to be a problem for you. Meaning this, you're not going to have the blessing and protection of you. You're going, to be, you're going to be separated from God's blessing, and you're going to be affected by the curse. And all my praying and all my hoping and all my begging and all that ain't going to save us. The first fruit, and I've taught you that, and I'll teach it before it's, it's going to be in the end of May this year. But when you get back under the blessing there, he said, I'm going to send that angel, and he's going to keep you in the way. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad the angel made circumstances for me fail because if I'd have done it, it'd have, I'd have missed God, Joel. What if I'd done this? What if I'd gone there? What if I said this? What? He, he stops me and prevented me from doing stupid stuff. He prevented me. Not, he, didn't want, he ain't here to keep me in my way. He's here to keep me in the path that Yahweh has for me. I appreciate that angel so much. He will prevent you from going your way, and your way is the wrong way. It's just going to cause unhappiness. It's impossible. Remember Balaam, a lot of the bad things in our life are warnings from this angel to stop when going down the wrong path. Look, i got to get your attention. Stop doing that. Just do it anyhow. Step right over the donkey. Dude, your life's falling apart. You, you know, people run from God, not to God, as they say. Listen carefully. Read it properly. It doesn't say you, keep you in your way. It's to keep you in His way, Yah's way, the way. Other people have selective reading, but most people don't even aware of this kind of principle. All they know, don't, I got Jesus. He died on the cross. I ask forgiveness. I got Him. I said, I'm going to heaven. Can you tell it frustrates me sometimes? Ah, God's going to send that angel before me to keep me in my way so I can be comfortable. <laughs> no, because you're the devourer. <laughs> the devourer don't need to be comfortable. No, he's going to keep you in God's way and bring you into the place which I have prepared. Yahweh has a place prepared for us. And there's only one path. Okay, here we go. There are instructions rightly translated. It says, Beware of him. I'm scared of this dude. It says, I did the translation out of the Hebrew, and it says this. Pay attention to him. Listen to his voice. Then it says this. Don't provoke this dude. Y'all hear me? Willful sin ticks this dude off. You know, I mean, God's going to get mad at him. The Father's going to get mad at me. Y'all always going to be mad because you're out of line here, and I'm responsible for this. Oh, he's going to 
He ain't going to pardon your transgression. He won't forgive the rebellion of you. Your, there will be consequences. For my name is in him. Hebrew scratches out the is. For my name in him. There will be, I will not prove, I will not pardon your transgressions for, because of my names in him. Not just any angel, a messenger carrying the name of God on his chest and going before you to keep us in the way. Oh man, but I want to be in my way. Listen carefully. The way is not bad. We think serving God, eh, we don't get, we lose that. That's stupid to say that. And that's something somebody got to us and told us. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to thine enemies. I will be an adversary to thy adversaries. I got to tell y'all, I love it. I love it. That's a good promise right there. You're going to send an angel before me to keep me in the way, to place, to bring me to the place. To get where we're going, we have to go through some places. We have to go through some things. Man, I've been really going through it. Praise God. That's great. That's great. You're going through it. That means you're on the path. Man, I'm going through some things. I'm going through some places. If you want to pass the test, you've got to get past the land of your enemies. You have to go through. We must not, and we must not stop and worship their gods. I've been through the land of the millionaire. Not the billionaire. Don't know if I've ever ministered to a billionaire, but many, many, many millionaires. And guess what? I didn't stop to worship their god. Hello? You can't stop and worship these gods of these enemies. And this is what he said. The angel's going to go before you, and he's going to bring you unto all right, I don't want you to have any surprises. All right. Number one, Amorites. Number two, the Hittites. Number three, the Perizzites. Number four, the Canaanites. Number five, the Hivites. Number five, the Jebusites. He said, I will cut them off. All right, listen. There's one more promise to this. He said, thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them. And he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And he's going to take sickness away from the midst of you. I know there will be people who will say, but I've done all that and I'm still unhappy. I've done all this and my provisions haven't been taken care of. I'm going to tell you, you ain't doing it right yet. The word Amorites means pride and haughty. To get to where we got to go. We got to go through that enemy, and God's going to get that pride and haughtiness out of us. Hittites, our fear and intimidation, where we're afraid to trust God and believe God, because that's the only thing we need to be fearful about. And we can't let the worldly things and, not, and, and our doubt intimidate us. Remember, we learned last month doubt your doubt. Be confident. The parasites, that has what Alexis talked about today self governing, having no authority. In your life. Just doing whatever we want to do. Canaanites. That word means compromise. Where we water down and we compromise what God directly tells us to do. Hivites. These are people who are at ease and contentment, indifference, lethargic, backslidden. They're no longer on fire for God. They're lukewarm. The Jebusites. That has to do with vice, habits. And it has to do with trampling underfoot. And remember what I taught you about trampling underfoot? When we sin willfully, then what we're doing, we're just trampling right over the foot, the blood of Christ. And guess what that does? It opens the doorway for the angel of death from the wrath of God. God provided us a way out. I'm going to close this this morning. That's why I say to you, 
those that are listening, I'm not sorry. And I make no apologies to those that listen who are looking to me to find the answers. I got to tell you the truth and I'm going to do that. I want to tell you to the best of my ability what God's word says. And if it doesn't say it, I don't want to talk about it. My vocation is to teach people the word of God. And I respect the fact of the revelation that God's given me. That's not revelation that's not backed by the exact word of God. And if you've been taught rightly, you're not going to be deceived by all these other things roaming around that sounds plausible to the earthly, fleshly mind unless you just keep flirting with it and dabbling in it. These things are an offense and abomination to Yahweh. For the rest of this month, we're going to be talking about this angel and about these issues and how to get there. God bless y'all for listening. This morning...